The VC Show is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook, the greatest sports betting app of all time. Download it, but you must be 21 or older. The VC Show, let's go. Welcome to the VC Show, presented by Caesar Sportsbook. I'm Vince Carter, the host, and also alongside co-host Roz Godon Wood. Uh, what's up, Roz? Well, real quick, before we you, you tell us what's going on, I want to give a quick shout out to KP of the colleagues, who obviously, if you guys haven't seen that early segment, who created the instrumental for our theme song. I'm rocking his shirt today, uh, as you see, Roz here. Uh, this is off of his Love, Lust, and Vulner- Vulnerability uh, album that he dropped last May. Also, he dropped Love, Euphoria. That's mm-hmm. out now. So check him out, man. I just wanted to show him some love. Uh, you know, I've he- had a lot of people come up to me about the instrument. I'm like, oh, man, that's dope or whatever. So I wanted to show him some some love. Check out his social uh, at The Colleagues on all uh, all platforms. So, yeah, that's a quick plug. But to you, Roz, what's going on, man? I haven't seen you gracing the sidelines. The playoffs has been insane. Uh, eye-popping, wowing. I mean, did I leave out anything? Shocking, yeah, surprising, yeah. but it's been great, you know, at the same time, you know, and I li- what I like about it is that you, you're not going in, you didn't come into the playoffs saying, oh, this team's the favorite. We already know they're going to win it. Let's just get to it. It's like, you're not sure. It's like, you can ask someone, who do you have winning this series? And you can say, this team and but you can turn around now you're like uh i'm not sure I'm, I'm really not sure now just because of the play the parody i love i love the product that we're seeing we have and what we're seeing right now what say what say you i feel the same way I, i'm i'm like shoot this is wide open and that's exciting it's entertaining yeah, i am entertained um i think yeah. the only you know i've been on the sidelines for uh you know sideline reporting on a number of these games and Coming into the playoffs, the one team that I thought, okay, yeah, you know, they're in for a long run, it was the Bucks. And so with their early exit, I mean, mm-hmm. this thing is really wide open. You've got a bunch of teams like uh, the Warriors, for instance, starting to look healthy, starting to get that momentum, you know, um, and also their championship pedigree always helps. You've got fantastic individual storylines like Jimmy Butler's heroics for the Heat against the Bucks, which was a series that I was on the sidelines for and um, was very great and amazing to see these games up close. So I think it's an exciting time for playoffs and we should just jump right on to it. You ready, Vince? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Well, let's talk about what's going on between the Celtics and the 76ers because another team that had been strong through most of the season had a little, you know, stumble a little bit, but then finished strong as well. It was the Celtics. And we were all like, okay, that's right. And now the Celtics are just played game one against the 76ers. Sixers did not have Joel Embiid, but they did have James Harden. And so James Harden went off for a 45-piece playoff career high Big buckets, clutch buckets at the end, way more impact in the fourth quarter uh, than, you know, the Jason Tatums and the Jalen Browns. And and the Celtics kind of struggled to close this game out. But first, just how much does it mean and what do you take from the fact that without Joel Embiid, the 76ers go on the road and then steal game one from the Celtics? From the Celtics. Very surprising. I mean, I I think we all said no – Joel Embiid, we all meaning, you know, a lot of the media uh, outlets, no Joel Embiid, Celtics at home. Uh, they struggled finishing off the Hawks, which was concerning to me, being that, you know, you look at 
Buck's not there. They have a path that they come in, you know, lock in and take care of business. And they ended up taking care of business, but, you know, I, I feel like they stumbled to the finish line. They did what they had to do, but they stumbled to the, uh, to the finish line in that last series to get to this series with the Sixers waiting and having some rest. I thought giving the six that was huge for the Sixers to close out their series to have them pre- prepared for a very tough series, which I still think it will be a tough and competitive series, but no Joel and B, which was there's some of the wowing and eye popping, uh, the eye popping side of it, because who knew that this injury was as bad as it's turning out to be. So now we're like, okay, well, six, uh, sixers are going to have a tough way. Who's going to kind of hold down the, the fort in the middle. Who's going to really step up and give them the offense that they need. I thought, uh, Maxi is very capable. Even Harden is capable, but but is it enough against the firepower that the Celtics has? Has and yes, it is. And and James Harden, shout out to James Harden first first and foremost because he's been crucified for playoff performances in big moments, not just performances in big moments. And I thought this is a big moment, game one. Not even if they win or not, it's the approach. Would he shy away from? the spotlight being the go-to guy. And here's a guy that has taken a backseat, if you would, to being uh, the the go-to guy, taking the shots he wanted, however he wanted to play, to being a facilitator and scoring and being dominant when you needed him to do so. And he looked around and said, they need me to be that that Houston Harden. Mm -hmm. And he brought that out and he got it done. Break that down for me. What didn't... Yeah, that's... that's, Yeah, yeah, that's... So that's what I'm saying. So for three quarters, James Harden is seeking out the the the, the matchups he wants, gets to his one-on-one uh, move, whatever, go to get into the lane or shoot the three. Okay, that's the thing. That's the theme for three quarters. Typically, fourth quarter is when it's winning time and it's adjustment time. That's when you make your in-game adjustments to go for the win. And I thought the Celtics never really made any adjustments. It was the same James Harden seeking out Al Horford, James Harden seeking out whoever he wanted to at the time and they allowed him to play one-on-one the entire fourth quarter without a you know throwing bodies at him as at that point he's been the primary guy getting shots i'm, I'm making somebody else beat me you have paul reed uh, paul reed on, on the floor you have pj tucker on the floor you have other guys let the ball find those guys and if we're gonna lose now we're gonna lose to those guys who had an amazing fourth quarter instead of james harden who's already in rhythm He's a great facilitator. He's proven that. He's shown that all series. I mean, all season. Well, he's going to have to be that great facilitator in the fourth quarter because we got to take something away. And I thought the Celtics never took anything away from the Sixers in the fourth quarter to win the game, particularly when they have a great opportunity with no Joel Embiid uh, on, on the floor. So what, what can a team do in that situation, Vince, where, you know, you actually had James Harden post-game saying that, you know, he was reading the situation and he was coming yeah. over and realizing I'm one-on-one. Okay, I can get to my spot and raise up. But if he's out there actively seeking a switch for a certain player, let's say it's Al Horford, and, mm-hmm. and James is actively like, keep bringing the screen until he gets him on him. What what can mm-hmm. the Celtics do in that situation to avoid giving James, you know, the, the target that he's looking for? So if I'm the guy guarding James Harden, and I know they're trying to – put Al Horford, who's my teammate, in the pick and roll. At some point, I'm going to send him over the screen like we do instead of switch. We're going to put two on the ball. I'm going to have Al Horford 
jump the screen, be aggressive on the on the screen, push James Harder further out from the basket, and we're going to double team. Now that pass, you have to find somebody, make a long pass. Hopefully it's an air pass where my weak side guy can get steals, opportunity like that. But we're going to push him away from the three-point line as far, far as possible to make those passes a little tougher. He's going to make the right read. You could tell he was patient. He'd get down there, and you just saw he's like, nope, wait, slow down. Let's just see how they're going to play this. And like you said, Ross, he comes off. He got the switch. Wait, it's one-on-one. He goes into his, his package. And you can't allow great players, great scorers, or even on the defense, you can't allow great players to continue to see the same dose of one style of play or defense. They're going to pick you apart. And I thought that's what James Harden did. He un- he knew what was coming. He knew, like you said, he knew what he could get every play, and he did so. Yeah. It was never an adjustment. It was never out of a timeout, a surprise trap or something like that. It was just kind of like the same old song. What I'd like to point out about James is this has been a season of sacrifice for him all season long. He has been willing to sacrifice, whether that was taking less money and allowing, you know, the Sixers to fill up the roster, whether that was coming in in better shape, whether, you know, and he's talked about it, understanding his role at this point of his career with this team and deciding, hey, I can be the guy that's going to get us into an offense. I can be the guy that's going to feed Joe, Joel Embiid. That's our MVP. I, I know that. And then I get in in the pick and roll or wherever else I fit in. It has been a season of sacrifice. And him now also understanding that, all right, Joel is out. We need a strike. We need to steal something on the road. And him stepping up in an assertive, aggressive scoring way. I was happy for him. You know, like good for him to be able to pull that out. And, and he talked about all the different ways that James Harden can exist in today's game. And I, I want to add one thing, you know, everybody's like, you know, I, like I, I even said in the beginning about, you know, his history and not showing up in big games, but it's kind of been the series in general, you know, so this is one game and this is a great start. He said it's that. a great start. Yeah, it's a great start, but it's, you know, it's kind of been, he's been big for two, three, four games, but when it came down to crunch time, you know, you know, that's when kind of the, 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 the complaint, if you would, about James showing up was the issue. But I like, I, I like his approach. I like how he came out. He got game one. They they have control of this series and what it's done is bought him, t- bought the Sixers time with, uh, getting Embiid healthy because of the, the one, obviously you feel good about James Harden uh, and the way he played, but two, you, you got to win. So now you kind of are in control of the series and you can, it's, you don't feel rushed if you need, I mean, yes, you want Embiid back because they, like he said, he said, no, we're here to get, we get two games, not just one and be satisfied. So I like where his mindset is. It's just now you need James Harden to do this for the series though, just right. being aggressive, whether you have Joel in the lineup or not. And listen, it was James after the end of the, at the end of the game that was like, "Hey, go to the locker room." This you saw him. Yeah, this ain't, this ain't. Yeah, we ain't win the series. <laughs> right, right. I like it. Game. This is just one game. So appreciated the mindset. Before we move around to other uh, matchups in the playoffs, I want to go to the other side of this one for the Celtics. Um, how concerned are you about this for for the Celtics in this series? And also, just they came out they came out strong. They were crushing it to start the game. So, like, what's up with the Celtics and closing out games? I, I don't know. Like I said, and, and that's why I brought up about uh, closing out the Hawks. Um, 
in in Boston. Like you, you think, and I like you, you know I picked the Celtics to come out of the East in the beginning of the year, and of course going into the playoffs, I thought the Bucks were playing the the best basketball. Well, the Bucks are eliminated, and this is a great opportunity for the Celtics if they can lock in. And they've talked about it to nauseam about you know where they want to go. They want to get back. They left business. You know, they left some business un- undone. So I-, I thought, you know, they would crush the Hawks at home, closeout game, understanding how important it is to have your rest and, and refresh for the next series. For a guy like Joel Embiid, like, they didn't get it done. They let it linger a little longer. Same thing here. I thought they hit first. Uh, they looked like the, the 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 team that was ready to go because they've been playing a little longer. Maybe the Sixers have been off a little bit because they, they took care of business. But just didn't finish the job. I think they got comfortable. Uh, James Harden, you know, like I said, had a great start. The Celtics had a great start in themselves, but it's just like there, there was just the lack, the lack of adjustments that was kind of mind-boggling to me. Uh, just getting to talk to Coach Missoula, his yeah. basketball mind, his approach to the game, and how much he knows. Like some people, are like, oh, it's just lack of experience. I don't know. Some I've played for a coach or two that were very prideful in their preparation in, of the game plan for a series and, and sometimes for a game, but let's just say for a series and didn't waver from that. Like it was like, Oh no, we're going to stick to it, stick to stick to the script and wasn't willing to change in game, which is the most important part. And like I said, I'm not knocking or whatever. It's just, it was just the reality. And we're, we as players sometimes on the floor, we want to make the adjustments ourselves. Let's just, all out switch. Let's just not switch. Guard, get through the screen. Because I think sometimes with switching nowadays, Roz, maybe you agree with this being that you sit courtside and you see it often. When teams switch one through five, you you get really lax on your switching. It's like automatic now. Guys don't even come together mm-hmm. and you just switch, point switch. As opposed to when you see whoever, let's say whoever's got, Mark is smart, guarding Garden Harden and knowing that switch because he's trying to get Al Horford. At some point, I'm saying, yeah, we're going to switch. If Marcus Smart gets laid out and he can't get through the screen, there's your switch. But I, sometimes I'm telling Marcus Smart, no, fight through the screen. Get out. I'm, I'm back. Right. You want to see that guard fight through the screen. So now there is no switch because he's made the effort to get through. And I, you see that often with teams that just switch. Uh, uh, and it just drives me crazy sometimes, uh, particularly young teams, because when, when coach says switch, that's the easy way out. So all I got to do is make sure my guy goes to the screen and I just get under and switch with the next guy. And I think now in these situations, I, I would have liked to see Smart fight his way through that screen. Mm-hmm. And now it takes Al Horford out. Now if James Harden is scoring these points, getting these one-on-ones, he's beating the uh, you know the defensive player of the year type uh, player. Right. And, you know, we, I feel like, when I'm doing interviews with coaches, they're always like, yeah, we're not playing with enough force. There's not enough force out there. Or, or and, you're, and it's just such an overused term sometimes. And like what you're describing is what I feel like the force is, you know, like, you know, activity mm-hmm. at the point of, of attack, aggressiveness there, mm-hmm. and defending a pick and roll or coming together during a switch, you know, as so that mm-hmm. teams can't slip or roll on you. Like just the, the physicality and the touch points mm-hmm. at every single action on on the court and the concentration to be able to fight through and, and do it over and over. And also like 
physicality wears on the other team too. And like, that's the difference in the playoffs and, and how a half court set time after time again, like seems to, to wear on teams. So um, absolutely appreciated that like mindset and viewpoint from you, you know? Um, yeah. What do you think it's like for the Celtics to have a talented but like you said, young, perhaps less, obviously, uh, less experienced in this kind of playoff situation as a young head coach in, in Missoula. Do you think that, um, how does that so, play out with players? Well, I, I'll say he's less experienced at the head coach, but I mean, he, he was yeah. there, you know, last year. So he understands the moment he's been there in the, in the, in the rooms. It's just, it's, it's, it's totally different. Let it be known. It's totally different when you're the head guy you know, and you have to pull the trigger on situations. But as, as a, I think the Boston Celtics want to play today, regardless of getting your rest. They want to play today because they have to hear this. They have to hear, you know, the whispers all the time. And they want to go out there and like, oh, man, nah, let's go erase this, get that bad taste of the mouth. Because the performance is one thing. And then when you look back on it, you're like, we didn't give maximum effort. We're talking about we want to get back to the championship. We feel like we're good enough. We feel like we have super duper stars on our squad that can get lead us to back to where we want to go and we didn't deliver. So that alone makes you want to go back and play the game over or play the next game. Uh, another note, uh, Jalen Brown took 10 shots. Mm. J- Jason Tatum's just superstar, but they had success because Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown were dominating. So when you put all your energy and efforts on one side, putting one or two guys on Jason Tatum, you like, golly, we gotta go over here and 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 now deal with this guy, or vice versa, because Jalen Brown at times was the one coming out. We see last series, he was averaging like 30 because he was the one that was aggressive first, and then it kind of made the game easier for Jason Tatum. And for him to have 10 shots, those guys, I'm I'm sorry, they, they should they they should have the, the 17, 20 shot attempts, if you would, because they create when they're aggressive, they create the open shots for Al Horford in the corner that he knocks down for smart, uh, for white, for all of these guys, they create opportunities for everyone else because of their aggressiveness and because of, you know, their demand for multiple bodies in their area. So uh, I thought that was another thing only, not only on the defensive end, if you're going to give up that uh, on a defensive end and not make adjustments, you got to utilize your two superstars at the end of the game. I don't care unless, unless, Marcus Smart, there's no disrespect, and it's it's not a not unless Marcus Smart is having a night. I'm not throwing the ball to him. You have two guys that you can throw the ball to, and then we can debate who should have gotten that. But I, maybe the play was to throw the ball into Smart, get a little action, and you know you get your superstars on the move. Cool, but you know it didn't work out that way. So that's why we can we can say I'm putting the ball in the Jays hand. Pick your, you know, pick your poison, Jason Tatum or Jalen Brown, and it didn't happen. Why should you bet with Caesar's Sportsbook? Two words, Caesar's Rewards. Every bet brings you closer to the types of benefits only Caesar's can offer. Hotel stays, VIP experiences, sports and concert tickets, and more. It's not just an app, it's an empire. 21 and over must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Maryland, Massachusetts, Michigan, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Wyoming, or Washington, D.C. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, Utah, and other states where prohibited. No one to stop before you start. Gambling problem? 
Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Ohio, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. That's 1-800-426-2537. Or Maryland, visit mdgamblinghelp.org. Or West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. Arizona, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Colorado, D.C., Nevada, Wyoming, Kansas, affiliated with the Kansas Crossing Casino, call 1-800-522-4700. Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Iowa, call 1-800-BETS-OFF. Louisiana, call 1-877-770-STOP. Licensed to the Horseshoe, Bossier City, and Harris, New Orleans. Massachusetts, if you or a loved one is experiencing problems with gambling, please call 1-800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org for 24-7 support. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369. Kick your feet up, you can find us on all platforms And that form, so be the hottest on them platforms Your family now, got to listen to what we talking about The VC Show, let's go, it's time to turn it out The VC Show, let's go, let's go The VC Let's take a look at another series that everybody is excited about Wait a minute, which one? There's a couple of them oh. Come on now, one of these series series is the one, the one, the one, the one, the one. Everybody is. I feel like if you're Nuggets, a Suns. I, I mean, the, 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 of course, it's a great. Series, <laughs> I'm man. just kidding. I'm just kidding. I, I was like, come on, all these series are, are great overall. No, but for sure. One of the ones, yeah, is the series for the hoop heads, you know, to savor for for the for the legend conversations, you know, the the Lakers versus the Warriors and you know, an opportunity to still see high level competitive basketball going between two of the generational players, um, you know, of all era in LeBron James. Ross, I'm not going to let you go any further. I'm going to ask you this question um, before we go any further. I'm going to ask this to you. <laughs> is it, is it kind of, it, no, it's, it's not a trick question. Is it kind of, I mean, it's great to see, w- would you have rather seen this matchup in the Western conference finals? To I'm me, just like happy to see two, it, I, no, that's a fact. That's a fact. But just, a, just imagine it's exactly it's the it's winner history. of this has to go play another series, and it's not going to the finals. That's my thing. That's my thing. Crumbles and things shake. No, I get it. I get it. We could have we could have easily seen the Kings Lakers, which would have been nice too. Absolutely, respect would have been very nice to learn more about this up and coming Kings team that's been strong all season. But from a hoop. Head shout out to the Kings, first of all. We can't not give them their props. Shout man. out to, shout out to them. They, shout them out. Man. <laughs> yeah, like like you said, coach of the year, clutch player of the year. Like, they were great. They earned the number three seed. They earned it. Like, I, 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 a lot of people didn't give them a chance, and they were the number three seed. And they made they made it a series. They get, took it to seven. It got to a point where it was just like, ooh, this is going to be a, a, a great ending. And then all of a sudden, that guy – they call Steph Curry, you know, did Steph Curry things. So I, I just want to give them a shout out because I, it, it was being a former uh, Kings player. It was fun to watch. Uh, I thought mm-hmm. like the, the, you know, the theme of light, the beam, it, the fans mm-hmm. got behind that. And I think that gave them life to play for something, you know, and the fans had something to play for. It was just, it was just cool to see. So shout out to them. But anyway, shout out to the Kings fans, shout outs to the Kings atmosphere, electric, like 
even if you weren't there, you could kind of almost, it was like tangible, feel it. almost feel it through the TV mm -hmm. screen, the hunger and desire and pride of that fan base, you know, to have their team out there and competing at that high level. Oh gosh. Um, absolutely want to shout out the fans because they showed up. They absolutely were yeah, different, differentiated themselves. Um, very exciting. But that man, no Stephen sweat. Curry, you, you mentioned he that man, it. Stephen Curry with 50 piece in game seven. And just, let me tell you one thing I know about Stephen Curry. Um, so like having been my career, like NBA career started with the Warriors, got to cover, you know, him and Steve Kerr in their first year together and on and continue to do it now nationally. Like this guy absolutely intentionally meant to come out there and drop 50 and will this team to a win. Like, mm -hmm. it's funny how when I go from team to team and star player to star player as a reporter or going from game to game, and I see the different approaches to greatness. Some people communicate it angrily. Some people communicate it um, with joy. Like, the the intensity, the consistency, the, the um, activity of a star player or how they ease into it or immediately, like, kind of make it happen and... Steph is such a competitor. I've watched him over and over in clutch situations, bring edge, bring fire. It doesn't show itself the way Draymond Green might show fire, but his is so clear to me that like he understands the moment and his role in it. It's very exciting it, it, to see. And that 50 piece in game seven was, it's, it's the delivering of expected and much needed excellence from a star player when we start the show and we talk about star players across their career what have they done in playoffs Steph has you know been that and right here at 35 time and time again. still doing that is so impressive it's the consistency of it what stood out to you about Steph's 50 point game to send the Warriors into this next round against the Lakers well well Raj you said it like his you know like you said the different approaches of superstars well Steph has all of those his, he, he, he can, like I said, he can work his way into the game. He can start the game off by just a flurry of threes or just putting his mark on the game. He can do it by smiles and enjoyment, or you can just see the level of focus where there's, uh, you know, there's scowl on his face. Uh, we heard this, we heard about the speech before the game, or he just goes out there and leads by example and doesn't say much because we, I, I play with a guy, Jason Kidd, Jason, Jay Kidd, and even Dirk as well. Jay Kidd and Dirk didn't say much as far as verbal, the verbally in the locker room or on the court in timeouts. But when they had something to say, you knew like, okay, we need to listen up. But they led by example. You know, Jay Kidd led by example of his approach, how, how he guarded, how he played. Dirk the same way. You know, when he wanted the ball, he you could see it in his face. Or some, sometimes he's like, give me the damn ball. Like, okay, here you go, brother. Go do your thing. And I, I think Steph has all of those guys you know in one in my opinion because i've seen him in in playoff situations i've seen him in regular season games i've just seen him in matchups where all of the, those type of approaches that you mentioned he's done that he's taken those approaches and and, and at the end the, the end result was still the same you know getting it done so uh watching him just like i say just he 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 just he did it in stages like one thing about steph that i really enjoy is that he understands who he has on his team Mm -hmm. And who he is, and they understand when he needs the ball. But like when Clay is rolling, regardless of Steph having a good night or so-so night or needs to get himself going, 
He's like, Clay is rolling. I have to get him the ball. He's such an unselfish superstar. He 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 gets guys or Jordan Poole or whatever the case may be. Like he gets it when he was coming back. He's like, no, nah, I'll come off the bench. Jordan's rolling. Like whatever he's he was he's and I look at Dirk that same type of way. It's just a, a unselfish superstar. And that's when guys understood when he spoke up. When either one of those guys spoke up. You you responded, or they knew to get Steph the ball. Guys said, I mean, how many guys in the NBA history have you seen a team will set, you know, you would see a double screen, quadruple screen? <laughs> like you're seeing sometimes, like you're seeing all four guys set a screen to get that guy open because of his unselfishness. And right. they're doing, they're willing to do whatever to get that guy the ball and because then, how he sacrifices for the good of them. And how about this too? Like we talk about Steph and he's the greatest shooter of all time, but in really critical games on the road here, game five and game seven in Sacramento, a lot of the damage he did was from two. You know, like yeah. like Steph is, is an incredible- His, his layup finisher. package. Yep, yeah. yep. I mean, so how does that stand out as a guy that's known for shooting? What makes it special that Steph's so good in the paint as well? Understanding the dynamics of the game. Um, when I first started in the game, you had specialists. And I'm going to use his dad, for instance. Steph Curry's a great shooter. His dad was a great shooter. But you never worried about Dell beating you, getting in, getting into the paint. We were taught when you're guarding Dell Curry, you take away his space and you make him drive. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Like, you now get guys like like Steph, and, and Clay is starting to do that a, a, a lot more as well. You, you, you. We say take it, take away his space, and you want twos, but Steph can kill you with a bunch of twos because of his mid-range ability, his layup package, and his obviously his ability to make plays. So, you just have to. It goes back to what I said about Harden and Garden superstars. You can't give them a steady dose or diet of the same thing. You have to try to confuse superstar players where you give them a look for three or four times, and when they feel like, oh, I know what's coming, you give them something different. Because you can't, you can't, like, I'll never say you close out short on Steph Curry. That's, that's, that's stupid. Okay. I get it. But I will say sometimes you close out all the way and you're physical with them. You close out all the way short, but a high hand, or you make it like you're going to leave. You just got to give them different looks to where they're kind of hesitant, hesitant. Obviously Steph is one of the best pump fake to shooting threes there is since his dad. Cause that's where I, I learned and watched it from playing with Dell because Dell, his ability, a guy, he knew a guy was going to close out to him. He could pump fake just to get your hands up and wait for your hands to go down and reload and fire. And it was just amazing. I was like, I got to get that. I got to get that shot in my game. And it's hard to do, but you just have to keep those guys off balance. Keep them guessing. I feel like that's the same way with Kevin Durant, LeBron, all of these guys. You can't play them the same way every time. Yep. All right. So real quick, before we move on to other topics, um, just, on Stephen Curry, every time like he has one of these big games, we come back to a you know a legacy conversation and where where he stands. I felt like a lot of the topics was is he you know is he the greatest point guard of all time? Is is where is he in the overall goat conversation? So you know Vince is someone who is a great yourself and has seen generations of ball. Like, how do you discuss Stephen Curry in these larger legacy conversations? Well, first of all, thank you, but I ain't with those guys. Those guys are getting <laughs> done. They're next level. <laughs> those guys are next level. But okay. to be considered, I appreciate it. Hey, to be considered, I appreciate it. But, uh, I, you know, 
to me, I, I just, I, I feel like the book is still being written with Steph, you know, and, and I'm, I want to see where he, like when we we're now at the tail end, you know, I don't know how long, how much longer he wants to play, but like, I want to give him some more time to see what he's going to do before we just kind of, yeah, he, I, I think when it's all said and done, that's where he's going to be. You know, it, we're, we're so quick to when, 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 you know, like a situation like this, we're, we're trying to place him somewhere, but I'm like, oh right, yeah. Like wherever we feel like he's going to be now, I mean, we're somewhat wasting our breath because, you know, this is Steph Curry who still has some good years left and it's going to change again. So I, I, I don't know. I just want to see where it, what, what it looks like in two years. So, so you know, you're not, now he's 37, not, still shooting threes. So you don't, I have think he's up there. He's for sure. Where is he in your goat? I, I mean, is he, you know what I'm saying? He's up there. Like, he's, he's in the top. Yeah. He's up there. He's up there with some of the the greatest and I, you know, and you know, everybody's like after this series is going to, you know, we'll see. We we'll know where. I, I mean, I think we know beforehand. <laughs> like, what else like... does he need to do? I mean, yes, if he wins a fifth oh, championship, no. now there's a co- conversation no about idea. how much more do you people need to see from Stephen Curry? But that's <laughs> what, that's what I'm saying. So that's why I, that's why I said what I said. Like, he's because like, I, like... I feel like about the what are the goalposts changing? Like at first it was like. All right, well, man, you know who needed KD for that championship, or da 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 da. Well, then they came back and won the championship last year. Oh, well, he's never been the fi- the best in the finals. He was the finals MVP with signature signature games. Here we are redefining. You know, we talk about the greatness of LeBron redefining what what longevity looks like. Hey, mm-hmm. Stephen Curry's having a longevity conversation too, and actually, it's quite fascinating because they play two different games. You got Steph running a marathon through a game at age thirty five. That's a very different style of play than perhaps some some other players. You know what is that look like uh, as you age and things like that and plus not well, to mention the physicality of his game in the paint too so i just think for stuff like i constantly find find myself like i don't know and i feel like sometimes if steph has a, a less than perfect game you know they're right up there questioning his legacy <laughs> but then if you know steph is just domination and and his will and desire carries and permeates the team to to the to the toppest the highest mountaintop, you know, sometimes I'm like, what more do you need to see from Steph to, you know, properly address him as, mm-hmm. you know, absolutely a goat. And it's like, it's like, you know, outside of if one of those two guys win a, wins a fifth championship, maybe you're talking about up there echelon. I mean, we're already, you know, people, we're already having, watch, watch, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, so that's what I'm saying. We're already having a discussion about LeBron, you know, uh, being one of the, one of the best to ever do it with MJ, and I'm going to say Kobe Bryant also. So that's a different door that Steph is opening because right now, you know, people talk about MJ and LeBron, and I feel like we should also talk about Kobe as far as the best to ever do it. Um, but it, you know, maybe that's opening that next door that you know that a lot of players don't get to to be talk about or i'll have a chance to open okay fine but as far as legacy like what what i mean like legacy like i'm i I was hoping to to get a chance to play in one nba finals much less win one he has four of them like like now we're talking about greatest winners he's i mean he has four that's what i'm saying like i'm I'm talking about i just wanted to play in one much less winning one he has four wins right you know what i'm saying so it's just like uh 
So I don't okay. know. I don't know. It's tough. We'll be visited. I, I do feel your answer of like, you know, there's still more to write here, but you know, we're definitely mm-hmm. deeper in the book than at the top of it at this point for Steph. And That's so a fact. But okay, we got one more NBA topic here. A hot, 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 hot one off the presses. Um, so Shams, um, friend of the show, is reporting on the Twitters that the Memphis Grizzlies have informed pending free agent Dylan Brooks that he will not be brought back. And here's under any circumstances, league sources say. Now, that is dramatic. Under any sort circumstances, they're not going to see Dylan Brooks back. Immediate response from you, BC. Okay. Okay, so... Not surprised, but under any circumstances, like I'm, I'm, I'm curious. Like, is that that the word from the horse's mouth? Under any circumstances, that we're not bringing him back because, like, I feel like a lot of us on the outside, that's what we would say. Like, man, this bring him back regardless. Like, so, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, you hear people say it. Like, that's just what the people. That's what's being said. Do I think another team will will will, will pick him up? Yes. Yes. A lot of people do not. If you go in comments everywhere, leave your comments in our section for sure. We'd love to read what you think. But I think at the end of the day, he's a guy that he's he's he, everybody wants a guy that is, you know, that, you know, tough, pretty solid defender. You know, I mean, I, I thought he got too caught up in the matchup to where he lost his focus mm. on the offensive and on the defensive end after a while. And I think, you know, for the Grizzlies, they're just you know they they have they they need they need some 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 veterans. So, so is he the sacrificial lamb? Maybe so, maybe so because they need to keep that group together. I think what they have in Bane, Ja, and 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 Triple J is is a great start. Absolutely, I really like the core there, as you said, of Bane, John, and and Jaron. But let's break the conversation about Dylan into two segments: his game, and then the intangibles he brings and would love to get your thought process on how his game affected the, the Grizzlies, you know, was there more value than less? And then I'm, I'm really curious your thoughts. Did you think that Dylan brought them toughness in a good way, or was he more of a distraction in a bad way? And that's what I want to both. Know. A little bit of both. I think it's a fine line. Cause I think he brought them toughness. You know, you have a guy that's going to go, you know, go out there and he's not going to back down from your superstar. You want a guy, he's not, he, you understand some nights you might shut a guy down, hope, you know, contain a guy. I'm going to say completely shut the guy down. And some night that you might get your head cracked to the white meat. And I'm talking about like, for real, for real. And, mm-hmm. but they're going to still come back and be in the fight. So yes, Dylan Brooks, that player is great for anybody's team. Because you you know that he's going to go out there contain and sometimes frustrate superstars, but sometimes trigger superstars. Mm-hmm. I thought the off the court stuff is what hurt the team in general. Because I, I said it before and I'll say it again: if I'm the other team, I don't care who we're playing against, but particularly the Lakers, you you directed your your hate or your whatever, all of your your words at LeBron James. And LeBron, this is not just like any superstar. You didn't direct it at Anthony Davis. Yeah, he's a champion, blah, 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 but it's not LeBron James. And LeBron James has accomplished so much. And LeBron, Le, LeBron James had his cavalry down to go after you as well. So it's not like you said something and it's kind of a back and forth between one or two guys. It was personal for everyone. And what that did, it made it locker room, bulletboard material. 
So we're not just like, oh, man, he talked about Le- the LeBron go go after. That's what was talked about. That was the narrative. But the bigger picture is Dylan Brooks's face is on that that bulletin board every day. And they go, they, they they like every day leading up to that game, like, oh, bro, you you think it's just you and him? No, it's you versus us. Like that's kind of <laughs> how it was. And, and you saw, yeah, you see Austin Reeves, like, nah, bro, like we wanted to go have his back. Like he said it in a nice way. Like that just told me everything. They, they, everybody, like, bro, you you fired at everybody. So we all coming back, strapped and ready to get, you know, to get get with it. So I think it just made you like, yes, you did poke the bear, but you didn't, you didn't just poke. You, Mama Bear, you poked the family, and and I, and I thought you could just see how it, the in, the intensity, how fired up from and ones from LeBron. Every like, it was a shot. It was a great shot by LeBron, but right. who it was against the situation. Oh, you know, I, if I'm up on LeBron, I just send him left. Not only did he beat him off the dribble, he went left like he was going to do. He finished. He got the end one. Everybody went crazy like they were the one that scored that shot. So I just think things like that, particularly in the playoffs, if that was a regular season game, it's easy to talk that junk to go back and forth because it's one game, you go on to the next city, and you move on. But this is a ser- this is a, a playoff series where you see the same team again. Yep. You and that's what it built up in a- you got to sit with it, and 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 on the other side of it, you you hear a lot of former players like uh, Matt Barnes. I mean, I mean, there's a lot of your list of guys that had to say, and I feel the same way. You can't go to the media to create this narrative to get your point across, and when you don't win, you don't talk to the media. You don't talk to the people that you use to create this narrative. You got to face it. John Morant said he was good in the West, and what he say? Yeah, I said it. Yeah, I gotta stick with it. It's all mm-hmm. good. I take I take my licks. Mm-hmm. Dylan Brooks has to do the same. You gotta take your licks, man. Like you using the media to create this narrative to, to be or create whatever you want to be, cool. If it doesn't work out, you gotta face the music, bro. Face the music. And I I think the 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 Grizzlies we're seeing now didn't want to deal with that because it backfired. When they had a goal, they felt like they were very capable of coming out of the West or competing for the West. However, we may feel as fans and media, they felt that, and I think that was a distraction that kind of made everything go left. Yeah, it just it was it was too much to overcome, and I think it actually speaks volumes about LeBron James too in the respect and loyalty that his young teammates had for him, for their OG, for 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 their vet, for their leader, for their you know for their and goat, his- like, and they had his back. You know, there's a lot of star players where. You know, there's a couple star players where they might not get that same loyalty of, of their teammates, but LeBron had that respect and it showed in how they fought for him too. And his response, his response to it after, oh, what he said, he said, bro, I'm not worried about that. I'm ready to go play. I'm going to go this and I'm going to get it done. When they got their butt kicked, well, after that game or in the media, he's like, I'm not here. I'm ready to play. I'll be ready to play. That told me everything about LeBron. Once they got their butt kicked going into, what, game six? They finished the six? He's like, I-, I play like crap. I'll be ready to play. And I believed it. And that was the motivation he needed because LeBron did not look great. He looked super tired early in the series. I and mean, everybody's like, wait a minute. But you gave him new life. You gave that man new life. Like, you know, he's going to make sure. He-, he may go to bed at midnight or whatever. Guess what? He probably went to sleep. 11.30, he slept... He, you know, my mom said, you tell me, you got to go go to sleep fast, sleep fast, because tomorrow's coming quickly. 
He made sure he slept fast and he was ready to go. He got in that cryo. He got that in, in that chamber. And he's like, oh, oh, you want to see what, what, what this looked like? He asked for 40. They got beat by 40. So you got what you asked for. All right, Vince. All right, we're at the end of the show here. It's a time for a little story time, okay? So we're going to take you to, uh, <clears throat> through memory lane here because before we go, Master P, what's up, Master P? Went on the what's All up, the P? Smoke on the show. And he told the story about playing uh, playing in Toronto with you and T-Mac. So, like, how was that? And what was his game like? Good ball? It was interesting. Um, so we're a young team in Toronto and we are trying to establish ourselves and do, you know, do our thing, uh, make a name for ourselves as an organization, obviously, and as individuals, and we bring Master P in. So like everyone else, you know, like your question, we ask the same thing. Can this guy play, you know, his music, he's one of the, you know, he, and this is the time where he's still... He's major, so it was it was a a, a lot of a, a lot of talk around around this and P comes in and you know I, I saw where he was talking about like the rookie hazing and he didn't he wasn't doing all that which is I, I get it I mean he was already a superstar established but my thing I we, we, I think the majority of us on, on from where I took it he had already tried out with the Charlotte uh, Hornets. So he'd already gone through a year, uh, you know, of of the rookie hazing. Now, he didn't make the team, but he, you know, he had already gone through that. So we didn't really look at it as a rookie. It was just like, here's this guy, Master P, who made him say, "Uh, coming in trying to play basketball." You know what I'm saying? So uh, it was it was interesting. Um, P can play basketball, but like. What's this the NBA player? No, no, I mean he didn't make the team, so I, I mean it's easy to say no, he wasn't. But he could play, you know. To you know, but was he NBA basketball? I, you know, it, it just at the time, it's like who it, he who was he going to beat out was the question. Um, at the time, like, like you know, we had I don't know, we had a lot of young talent, but the buzz around. Let me tell you something. The buzz around having P was crazy in itself when people like, I don't think he played the first preseason game, but we were going to Dallas and we we're going to play as close to Louisiana. We we're going to play a preseason game in Dallas. And I, and I think it was at reunion. Oh, Re that's I'm sure my age reunion, reunion, not even where they are now. And the people that came out for that game was insane, insane to see P get on the court. And I mean, you, it was who's who of rap artists. You thought you were seeing a rap concert, but it was just the support that he was getting from both sides, curiosity yeah. and support all in one. And, you know, P got out there at first. And you're just like, uh, I don't know. But like, here's a man who's accomplished so much, been doubted. And, you know, he survived. He didn't, you know, he didn't tank. But Master P made his mark when we played the Vancouver Grizzlies. And I wish I knew the player's name. He probably doesn't want to be named, and I understand why. But when you're talking about a guy going into another sport and he gets the best of you, and this is not what he does on a daily basis. Obviously, he was trying to make that another profession, his profession, his new profession, if you would. Like Michael Jordan going to baseball. They didn't want Michael Jordan hitting home runs off of them. That's just, I mean, come on. Like, you play basketball. You're coming into baseball. So, P, 
Finally gets in the game. People are going crazy. We're, you know, preseason. P is picking up somebody full court. He's trying to cross P over. Master P steals the ball from this guy. Gosh, I wish I remember his name. Steals the ball from him at half court. Okay? There's nobody between Master P and the guy he stole the ball from. P goes, stops to the three-point line, and pulls up for three. Nobody on it and makes it. We're going crazy. I, I hope there's video of that. It's so long ago. Like, we're older, so, you know, there might not be good video for it. But I heard the guy got cut that night, like, right Dang. after the game. And like I said, yeah, it's just – and, and P worked hard. He he bought into it. It wasn't no, I'm Master P, you know, right. recording superstar. He bought into it. But – we made sure, like he said about dunking on him, whatever. That like, I don't know about trying to dunk on him. Like, I wasn't afraid to dunk on anybody. I was gonna get fouled, you know, by anybody. I was getting fouled by some of the biggest men, you know, Shaq on down. So that wasn't the thing. It, but we were going hard at, at him because guess what? Guess what the reality was? Everybody who we played against, when P stepped on the court, they were gonna do the same to him. So, and he was he was playing the point guard position. So it was just, I think it was just different for him. Like everybody, you know. Just think, like, if you're going out there to try to play right now, Roz, in, in the WNBA, guess you're going to be a target. Everybody's going to come after you because you're stepping in and you have played the played the game. I'm saying, but mm-hmm. that, that, and that's what it was for P. So, and it was like that for us. So, you know, and he didn't back down. He wasn't afraid. He he talked his junk and all that. Like, like that's P. Like, if, you, yeah. if y'all know P, P talk his junk now. And, and that's what it was. But it, it was a fun time. Like, he could play. He could play a little bit. I'm not sitting here and saying, like, he he should have been in. And, and, and as we all get cut, we all feel like we should have made it fine. But he competed, man. He competed. No, no, it sounds like there's a lot of respect there for somebody, you know, at the peak of their craft in one, in one game. And then he was. another game. And try to give that, and try to see what he could shake it up and make it happen with the NBA side. All right, but he wouldn't. Ross, real fast, I'll say this: at one point, we thought that he was going to make the team. Like he, he was the last cut. Like it was, I saw an article. He was the last cut uh, before they cut him. So it's like you know, it it was kind of. I guess uh, shout out to Antonio Lang. (laughs) It was between I think Master P and Antonio Lang were the kind of two guys at that time, and like he just missed making our team that year. So, okay. like, so, you know, so, for however you feel about him, he, he he was a solid, he was a decent player. He was, I mean, if you're almost, if you have an opportunity to even yeah. to try for the league, like, you're a good player, you know, like, overall. All right, but he mm-hmm. wouldn't be the only musician um, no. that has had hoop dreams. We've seen it with, you know, <laughs> Drake warming up with Kentucky or Quavo, you know, was a regular at the celebrity basketball tournament games and all this and that. So, like, which music artist in your knowledge of of this, is the best hooper, in your opinion? Well, the ones that I've seen live, <laughs> Brian McKnight had yeah. gay. <laughs> everybody, la- everybody laughs when I say that, but Brian McKnight had gay. He was a shooter. I've seen 2 chains play. Uh, I, I, yeah. Bow Wow, Bow Wow, back in the day, uh, used to be in my basketball camp, so I got to see him every day play. Bow Wow had game. Uh, Romeo, mm-hmm. P's son, had had some game. Silk the Shocker, his brother, had game. Like, it, it, he could play. Like, he never had the chance. Obviously, P had the chance, but we felt like Silk was just as capable. And lastly, I think a lot of people know about, about this guy, Chris Brown. Chris okay. Brown has game. Yeah, you know, so there's some. those are some of the guys that I've uh, seen live 
uh, uh, seen play live that I'm like, all right, he got some game. Like, you know, if he tried and put some time into it, possibly, you know, I, like I said, I, I felt Silk possibly had a chance. Chris Brown, you know, was, was pretty darn good. And then there's also this guy by the name of Prince. Yeah, what about uh, Prince? People don't know. People don't know that. You know, like, if you remember Dave Chappelle uh, skit about print, playing Prince, mm-hmm. like that's a real thing. Prince had game. Uh-huh. Prince was one of was uh, Minnesota, one of Minnesota's uh, all time leading scorers back in you know in his high school days. So he he could play. And I've had some conversations with Prince. It's funny. It, it's it's not a flex. It's just the the truth. Yeah, um, I was like, yeah, that's cool. <laughs> I, <laughs> I had a nightclub. Uh, in Toronto, shout out the inside, shout out to Travis. Wait, 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 wait. There's so much happening here. So wait. Oh shoot. Prince, you're having a with Prince, and you have a nightclub in Toronto. So you are a a nightclub owner. Inside, inside nightclub. Shout out to inside. Shout out to Toronto inside nightclub. My business partner Uh Travis Agresti. We uh we we went into business uh, as a player. I was still a player, um, and had some. Some pretty interesting nights and some some cool people come through uh, come through through the club. Um, you know, Would Ross, I have been we were one of the first. Club? Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. You, yes, it was, it was it was it was it was it was a, it was definitely the place to be. I mean, we um, we we start we started bottle service our club inside in 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 Toronto. We were one of the first to start this way back then, which is a regular here in in the states, which you know. It's like that's unheard of. It was like that. I remember, like, why you couldn't order a bottle and have it at your table. You can buy a bottle and they pour the drinks for you. But we we, we changed the game a little bit. So I was I was proud of that. Had it for a long time. But one day we're sitting in the office and one of our our security guys at the front door is like, um, yeah, uh, Prince w- wants to come into the club. So Prince, like, how many princes do you know outside of Prince Felder? And and Prince, so I'm like, you mean like the logo? You know, he was he was at this time he was the logo. He was around that time, and it was like, yeah, Prince. So it was the weirdest thing. And you know, if you think about Michael Jackson and Prince, these are two of the people that I know that wherever they go around the world, I mean, you see internationally look on video, and people would pass out to see these people. Like they are they are like you know echelon of iconic superstars and geniuses and just kind of whatever. So he come up and, you know, when it, it, it just got weird for me because it's like, all right, he said, yeah, he wants one of the VIP areas, but he, you know, he wants the light dimmed down. So I was like, oh, okay. All right. But I, it makes sense, I guess, to, you know, if it's bright, everybody sees you, people go crazy. You can't enjoy yourself. So it kind of made sense. And you know, Prince came in <laughs> like he was, he was in his bell bottoms and his, you know, like Prince, like he was Prince, like, you know what I'm saying? Like he was dressed like Prince, if you know what I'm saying? Slick back and all cool. So, um, you know, so we're sitting there talking in, in there and it's like, you know, you, you think of Prince and, you know, you think of the pitch where he sings, he sings alto soprano, he's up there, you know, he has a high pitch and he talks at like a deep baritone, like, you know, like deep voice. It's like, man, it's crazy. And the cool thing about it is like, I, I had to ask him like, okay, so, you're you, and what? Why are you here? What makes you want to come to Inside Nightclub in Toronto? Because he was dating, uh, um, uh, he was dating a, a lady there who was, I don't know where he found her. Like unbelievable. That's all I'm saying. She was unbelievable. 
Um, <laughs> that's just a fact. <laughs> she was unbelievable. Like, man, but he's Prince, so it made sense. But no, I'm like, what like- makes you come here? He's like, he said that he heard about our club and he had to see it for himself. And Travis and I were just like, that's what's up. Because we didn't do any promoting. And we we didn't promote on the radio. We didn't promote, like, uh, do ads on the TV. It was all word of mouth. Mm-hmm. And we had pro teams that would come in and, you know, do, do things. So he heard about it. So he had to come in. So Prince is now sitting in our VIP. And, you know, and I'm like, this is Prince. So a matter of time, people are going to lose their freaking mind. Because we didn't say, oh, Prince is in the building. We didn't do any of that. He asked not too cool. It's just, you know, a lot of security, dark sitting in there. So we're talking and like, he was like, I had to come see it. So I'm like, okay, cool. Lo and behold, this one girl finds out and she's trying. So we have, where I'm sitting, I'm, I'm sitting here, Princess to my right. And it's Bamboo protecting the VIP. It's a raised VIP. The dance floor is back there. So you can technically see through the bamboo sticks. She is trying her best to rip the bamboo sticks apart, but you can't rip, just break bamboo. Like that's, that's why we had it there. She is trying to rip it apart. I'm over here. Like what is going on? Roz? like, bro, you <laughs> and princess Prince is just sitting there like, yeah, man, this is a great place you have here. This is awesome. Like, cool. like he did not flinch. He did not flinch. And I'm just like, she's freaking out. So like that video of seeing people passing up for Michael Jackson and Prince, like I'm seeing it live. So our security finally, after like, five ten minutes of her trying to rip it up they pick her up and they're escorting her out and she passes out prince i love you i was like you're the greatest i love you oh my god and boom passes out so they're carrying her up over the over the head and she's basically like a dead body oh my god just like she's out passed out i was just like well and he never flinched never flinched I was just like, wow. And it was a norm for him. Like, you know, yeah, we, yeah, a lot. So it was just unbelievable to see a guy like this. uh, Liability bullets. You were over there like, oh, Lord, please. Yeah, like, oh, Lord, like, what's going on? He, like, Travis is like, he's sitting there with his mouth dropped. And I'm like, yo, bro, do you see this? Like, and it was just a cool thing. He invited us to a concert because I had never been to a Prince concert. I listened to him, but like, die hard, I wouldn't go that far. Mm-hmm. But I understood why when I was at his concert, and like it was hit after hit after hit. Mm-hmm. So it's like seeing him in in the intimate setting in the VIP, not flinching to going up here in the middle of an arena, rocking it three nights in a row, blah, 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 blah. And then he comes back a second time just to hang out, to say what's up, appreciate it, thanking us for coming. I'm like, no, thank oh, you like good. for this ex- experience. So, it was, it was just, it was insane. Inside, inside was this place in Toronto. Get out of here, fans. No, that was, hey, that was some say, but get out of here. It, it, it was cool because because we got to conversating about what we wanted to do is create a small venue, so five thousand seat arena for intimate concerts and. And, and and you you have your concert and then we're gonna shuttle bus people back to the club and just do it just do it real big for artists and, and, and fan experience and you know ended up uh getting traded and moving on. But Prince said, Whatever you need me to do, I will do it. You need artists, if I call artists, they'll do it. We're like, okay, bet. Like that that's that's easy. We don't have to call artists, we just gotta call Prince is like, hey, can you get whatever? Like Alicia Keys, I remember. I just I don't know why Alicia Keys was one of the guys that I could, uh, artists that I remember. He's like, yeah, man, I call these guys. They'll do me a favor, and I'll create. And he wanted he wanted nothing from it, just to see it boom because he appreciated, you know, the club that he had a good time, 
um, you know, just being a friend. It was just insane, crazy. Long story short, we move forward. Prince dies. And, you know, it was just like crazy. And my second year, I want to say my second year in Atlanta, we're in Minnesota. And we're going, we're, we're, we're there a couple of days. We go to visit the, his house, the museum. His house is the museum. For those who don't know that, you get a chance, you're in Minnesota, please go visit his house. It's unbelievable. So when he first passed, when he first passed, obviously it was breaking news and they talk about he had this vault. In this vault, he had albums on top of albums on top of albums that he'd recorded that he never dropped on top of all of this stuff that he wore. Like, oh, I'm just going to put it out here. Keepsake. So the... uh, they're, they're itemizing all of these items that's in, in, in his vault. And the first hundred um, items come out publicly. And somewhere in there, my buddy Travis sends this to me. He's like, hey, did you see this? I was like, okay, yeah, his list, cool. And he, and he had it circled and said, Vince Carter single. It's like, what? So Prince had made a, a, a song I don't think I see name, but it's like it had Vince Carter single. So that was one of the first hundred items that they saw, and wow. you know, and it had a single. So I'm like, bro, what? And you know, so 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 we go take the visit to uh to to the to this house and everything, and I do one of those. Hey, how you doing? My name's Vince Carter. Uh, I know Prince has a ball, and I ha- you know I, I I was told that he had a sing. I didn't know how, how do you like how do you ask these people? It's like you know I know they're like oh yeah cool what, cool story bro, but I'm like. You know, um, Prince made a single about me. I just wanted to see, you know, who can I contact? I just want to hear it. Like, I wasn't asking for it. I was just curious, like, what he had to say. What I just want, I was like, you can put me on the, you can put, play it over the phone. You don't have to give me the actual single. I just wanted to hear it. And I never got the opportunity because I, I, I thought they were like, I felt like they were like, yeah, okay, let me go contact somebody. And I never heard from it. So maybe, you know, one of these days I'll, Go ask it. So I never heard it, but it was just like cool. Like in all of a sudden pictures, Prince, when he performed, he had my jersey on. He had my home and my purple jersey on. Uh, uh, he he wore a couple of times, which was kind of dope, but I had no clue. So yeah, that's my Prince story. That was cool. Wow. That is an incredible. Yeah. So rest in peace to, to the legend, man. Rest in peace. That's one for the kids. That's one for the grandkids. Um, very cool. Especially if I can hear the single. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's uncover that, man. Let's see who can help us with that. Um, but if you get to, let me know how that goes, VC. That was a great way to like finish. Yeah, yeah. Time. It's nice to see you. Always, always. I know you're busy, but we got to do this more often. (laughs) Yes, sir. I'm in New York right now. We getting ready for Heat Knicks. Yeah. Ooh wee. I got Suns Nuggets. Let's see if the Suns can get back on track because they down 0-2. So let's see what's going and, on. And and you talked about it, Golden State. Like they're all gonna be interesting. It's like like you said, like you got you heat Knicks. It's like, ooh, is Jimmy Butler playing? Is Randall playing? What's gonna happen? You talking about uh Nuggets Suns, ooh, it's can KD and those kind of find a way to kind of get themselves back in the series? And then it's like Warriors Lakers. Yep, Warriors <laughs> like, Lakers MVP it's, this is, this is a great year. What? It's mm-hmm. that time of year. Who, who, all right, well let's let's get that out the way. MVP, who do you think? I think Joel and B is going to get it. Yeah, I think, I think Joel's going to get it. But Jokic yeah, is like certainly making some noise. Yeah, right absolutely. Now. He, 
way, you know. But 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 it's just like it's already been. It's regular season though, so that's the thing. It's like we gotta we can't forget. Like they they choose it for. I mean, I mean that's what they say. I agree. That's what I'm saying. It was a very yeah. tough MVP race, and it says a lot that these three big men continue to dominate and make it so big tight. men consecutive, consecutive, consecutive years here. So we shall Crazy. see, but. You know, I, I yep. don't think any, anybody could win that of that group of that those three finalists. And I, I don't think you could, you know, come outside and say it's a mockery of the game. Like it would have right. been very Agreed. competitive. Uh, Agreed. PC, I got I to gotta head to the garden. What's going on? <laughs> Let's do it. I'll be watching. I'll be watching. Everyone, appreciate you once again, man. The VC show, we signing off because I'm chilling, but that lady right there got to work. So we out. Let's go. Peace.